fellowship of Jesus Christ. And God the Holy Spirit, because of his love for us, he dwells in us, he will convict our hearts with regards to right and wrong, good and evil, holy and unholy. Now just nod your head with me if you have heard the conviction of the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And you say, yes, he's pointed out to me when I wanted to do something that was not beneficial for me, the Spirit of God was convicting my heart on the inside saying, don't do that. Anybody ever heard that? Just a show of hands. Yeah, just real quick. Yeah, most of us, right? So the idea there is, listen, disobedience is the beginning of rebellion in many ways, and it's a vicious cycle. The disobedience will become flat-out rebellion if we neglect the conviction of the Spirit of God in our hearts. Does that make sense? So let me say to you, whether you've known the Lord for many years or you're brand new in Christ, God the Spirit is in you. The Scripture tells us He yearns jealously for us. Jealously in, not that He's like, oh, I need you, I need your affection, I need your adoration, I need your praise, I need your worship. No, 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 no. He yearns jealously for us in that when we violate our conscience, we separate ourselves from nearness to the Lord. It's not, it has nothing to do with our justification. Our sin is still forgiven in Christ. Can I get an amen? But our nearness to the Lord, we, we, we move further away and we feel the weight of that. Our lives become a reflection of that. We allow corruption in our lives and it separates us and it makes distance between us. God, on the other hand, he's yearning jealously because he knows what he has is best. And he's saying, no, draw near to me. Draw near to me. So when we resist the conviction and we go and do that thing anyway, we create a gap. Everybody, does that make sense? On the other hand, when we honor the voice of the Spirit of God who is in us, and we simply obey and we deny that thing. We deny our flesh. Has anybody recognized that when we have that conflict on the inside, if it was something we didn't want to do, it'd be real easy, right? Unfortunately, when temptation comes, it's a temptation because it's something we want to do. Our flesh is saying, you need to do that. You should do that. You deserve that, right? And the Spirit of God is saying, Resist and say no. And when we do, we are affording ourselves the opportunity to be in a near relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense? And so obedience as opposed to disobedience, it's, it's what the Lord is looking for in our lives. Because, not because he needs a whole army of minions to do what he wants. Because he wants and desires to give himself away fully. Fully. It's love. He wants to give us the best. How many of us would, we woke up this morning and say, man, I can't wait to get third or second. 
No, we want God, we want God's first. We want God's best. I'll take I'll just take the leftovers. No, we want God's best. And so, encouragement for us today. We see the children, the this post-diluvians after the flood, people they began to rebel against the simple and simplicity of truth that God had established. Hear us, we pray. When you do these things, blessings come. When you rebel against them, trouble comes. And rebellion is a work and the arm of the flesh. Is it natural to obey? I don't think it is. Fact is, I think it's natural to resist authority. It comes from the natural man because in the natural man, what do we want to be? We want to be in charge. Think about when you're at work, maybe when you were younger. I know so many of us have grown up and we're like, well, when my boss asked me to do things, I just say, absolutely, I got it, I'm on it, I want your best. Or when our bosses tell us to do something, do we think in our hearts sometimes, well, that's not the right way to do it. Well, if I was boss, we'd do it this way, right? Sometimes it's this idea, if something happens in our flesh, we're like, we think we, we'd do it better. And we'd be, we'd be better in charge. Well, I'd, if I was in charge, this is what we would do. Well, here's the thing. That's the natural response to rebel against authority. Well, rebellion against authority brings about trouble in our lives. And in this instance, it brings about confusion. And we, we won't get into that detail in mo- immediately. Let me just try and encourage you in your life. Let's seek to listen to the Spirit who dwells in us. When He's pointing us in a direction, when we feel that, it could just be the simplicity of the prompting of the Spirit to greet someone or smile at someone or let that guy come in in traffic. When we don't want to, we want to hit the gas pedal and say, no, you're not coming in. Your place is behind me. <laughs> now do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, okay, I get the car metaphor. All right, so the arm of the flesh there has to do with resisting authority. If you are in Christ, you're born again. You said yes to the Spirit of God. You said yes to Jesus. You said yes to the Father. You willfully came under his covering. Amen? It was a decision you made. I want my sin forgiven. I'm going to come right under the blood covering of Jesus, that atoning work. I'm under. Why then, when he gives us instruction for life, do we say, well, I wanted the salvation, but I don't want the lordship. I want to do this my way. My way. Look what these folks were doing here. They had the blessings of God. They had direction from God. And they went out and they said this, let us build. Let us build. We know Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders or they that build, build in vain. But they said, let us, let us build. Let us make a name for ourselves. Well, Self-promotion, self-reliance, me, 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 I can, I can, I can. And we forget the second part of that scripture in Philippians when we say, I can do all things. We neglect the last part that says, 
through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes we lean on our what? Own abilities. Leads really to the second uh, arm of the flesh in this portion of the text today. Resoluteness leads to deception. What I mean by resoluteness is really self-reliance. I can. I can. Without the through Christ who strengthens me. Me. And let me, let me point out that this happens a lot in our daily living. We rely on our own ingenuity. We rely on our own understanding of things. I'll give you an example. Maybe you work somewhere, and there is a job that comes open at work, and it pays more money. We think, well, maybe I should apply for that job. I could make more money. And we just fill out an application, or we put in our name for the bid job, or whatever, let's say. And maybe we get it. We're like, hey, praise the Lord. But sometimes it might not be a praise the Lord because we've not even asked the Lord. I got a text message from someone very near and dear to me recently who said, pray because I'm applying for another position. My immediate response was, is the Lord prompting you? Has the Lord spoken to you? Now, the beauty is, this young lady, Kevin, you sitting in the front row, she sent me back a quick text, and she said, yes, Daddy, the Lord has been prompting me. And I said, hey, praise God. Then follow and be obedient to as the Lord directs you. I had another near and dear friend to me, uh, contacted me, and said, an opportunity has arisen. Can I sit and visit with you and talk to you and get your input? He's seeking the Lord. He's saying, I've been talking to God. I have a certain sense. Now I'm going to bounce it off with you. And he bounced it off with a number of people. And God opened a door, and it was the leading of the Lord. And God just opened. But here's, we need to have that communion first with the Lord. Isn't it the, isn't it the Scripture that tells us he is the director of the footsteps of the righteous? The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so then someone might say to me, well, do you mean like, do I need to do that when I'm driving my car? Should I keep my foot on the accelerator and keep going 55? Or should I go 54? 53, 52, 53. Listen, there are some things that we know to do. God has given us wisdom to do those things. But when it comes to decision and direction, I think it's appropriate for us simply to listen to the Spirit of God because He's speaking. How do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear the voice of God? First of all, the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. These didn't say, God, what do you think? Should we camp out here in the plain of Shinar? Because that would have been a violation to what the Word of God was. The Spirit wasn't saying, yes, do that. That would be great. It will never contradict the Word. And I would say... When you have a sense that God is leading me, you take a step of faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So we endeavor, like the children of Israel later at the Jordan River, they, the priests stuck their foot in the Jordan. The water was still flowing. 
By faith, they put their foot in the water, and guess what happened? The waters heaped up upstream, and the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. They took a step of faith, and God met them in their faith. I want to encourage all of us today to live by faith, not by what we see, not our own understanding, not our own ingenuity, not our own working of things, but let us lean on the Lord. You know the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding of things, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Okay? So one, rebellion begins with disobedience. Number two, resolution or resoluteness leads to deception. And let me simply say this in regards to deception. When I live my life with self-reliance, oftentimes I am trying to build some thing. Oftentimes the very thing I'm trying to build is my reputation. That others would see, wow, nice city you built here. Wow, nice tower. Man, that tower's tall. What you got going on in the tower? And we're, it's, it's about us. Let us make a name for ourselves. That's reputation. Does that make sense? Okay. Self-reliance leads often to self-promotion. of our fellow man. It's all about the outward appearance. That leads to a place of self-deception. Good job. Ooh, you're something. Ooh, you did so well, you deserve a break today. You should. And it opens up all kinds of doors for deception, temptation, and the leaning on the arms of the flesh, if you will, and not on faith in Christ, faith in the Lord. So, we'll come to some quick remedies in a moment. Might just pause for a moment and just say, what about my life? Are there areas where the Spirit of God is bringing conviction in my life and I've been resisting? the conviction of the Lord. I'm kind of doing my own thing and saying, no, God, no, God, no. If you are, today is a day where you can simply say, I need to, I need to stop doing that. Repent and begin to listen to the Lordship of Christ in your life. Begin to walk in a greater measure of obedience. You will, you will experience greater blessing. It doesn't necessarily, and when I say blessing, it doesn't mean all of a sudden God's going to answer more of your prayers or you're going to have a breakthrough and your finances are all going to be okay and blah, blah. You may suffer all kinds of both consequence and you may suffer tribulation in the midst of it. But you will be walking in obedience and you will have positioned yourself in a nearness to the Lord 
And so you will sense even his strength as you walk through the hardships and the difficulties of this life. Does that make sense? Encouragement. Let's obey. Then secondly, maybe, maybe you're here today and God has gifted you with great ability. And over time, you've become accustomed to relying on those abilities and not the Lord. And you just kind of do your own thing. And you discover in the midst of that self-reliance, there's also some self-promotion. I'm doing a pretty good job. I want others to see me. I want to hear those words from my fellow man. Man, dude, you're awesome. Whoa. How'd you do that? And get from them even that sense of somehow I gained a greater esteem. They think higher of me, maybe even of themselves. Self-elevation. Listen, you might recognize this in your life. If you're a person here who tends to see negative in others, that can be also an indication that you're trying to do you're trying to do this. Separate yourself. Well, I'm above that. They're down here. You see that? It's it's self-promotion. And we do it. Well, sometimes we don't even say anything. We just think that way, right? I mean, I could have I could ask for a show of hands. Anybody ever thought that way? Well, I'd never do that. <laughs> right? No, we don't want to raise our hands this morning because we'd like that might be me. But listen, if that is something that's working in you, what an opportunity today to seek to put to death the deeds of the flesh. If you will, to cut off the arm of the flesh and say, look, I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. Change the way I help me. Change the way I think. Help me to view people and others differently. Christ, he, after the supper, After no one would wash feet, he took off his outer garment, put a towel around, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Nobody else wanted to do it. In fact, they positioned themselves around the table to say, well, I'm not the lowest at the table, so I'm not going to wash the feet. We don't have that in the text, but we can see that in the humanity of them in the fact that that's exactly what happened. Nobody wanted to do that job. So Jesus demonstrated what greatness looks like for us. And he promoted others. He said, I'm, I'm lowly. Humiliation. How many of us here could stand to use a good dose of humiliation in our life? Come on. Yeah. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And what? He will lift you up. That's what the scripture says. So God help us. Okay. Let's move on a little further. Uh, so, what is it that these folks were doing? What? I love saying that word post-believians. These post-believians. Say that with me real quick. Post-believians. Just a big word that means after the flood folks. The post-believians. What what is it that they were doing? They made some stones. They got some asphalt for mortar. They started building a city and they built a tower unto the heavens. Now, whose top is in the heavens. Genesis 10 tells us who initiated this work. In fact, 
flip back in your Bibles to chapter 10. And we find in verse 6, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Then in verse 8, it tells us a little later, Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be mighty on the uh, mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. His name translated means rebel. Rebel. And the word that we translate before, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. It's used often in the Hebrew scriptures. Over 1,100 times it's translated the word before. 17 times, a fewer number, it's translated against. Many theologians believe that Nimrod was a mighty hunter against the things of the Lord. In fact, many theologians would hold that Nimrod was a hunter for the souls of men whose hearts would have been for Jehovah to direct their hearts toward him and his understanding of God, if you will. Now, from time to time, when I teach or when Pastor Matt teaches, we will share with you information that is extra-biblical, much of it coming from what is known as the apocryphal books, and there is one of the apocryphal books, it is not inspired. So everybody check in for a moment if you've checked out. This particular apro- apocryphal book, like all the others, is not inspired. Okay, But it is history, and it gives a picture. Now, the book of Jasher is referenced twice in the Scripture. It's referenced twice in the book of Joshua, it is referenced, and in the book of Chronicles, the book of Jasher is referenced. We have a copy of the book of Jasher, and in Jasher, we are given more information about Nimrod, and I mention this simply to say, and I won't go into the detail in its entirety, if you want to research it, you can look up Google search the book of Jasher, and you can get some information. This is taken from chapter 7 and a couple of other verses there in that portion. But it references Nimrod started off on the right path. He started off doing the right things in the presence of the Lord. But it goes on to say that he became wicked, and he began to do wicked things, and he began to make idols out of wood and stone. So much so, he built a tower, and it is theologically asserted 
that this tower was in fact a temple, and at the top of the temple was a platform with a abode for the patron god that they were worshiping at that time. Most theologians that hold to this view would hold that that false god was the god Marduk. And again, he is also referenced in Scripture. All that to say he was drawing the hearts of men away from Jehovah God. This is the interesting part. The city's name, we are told in Genesis chapter 10, as well as Genesis chapter 11, is Babel. Babel. Babel, it's actually kind of a theological pun. I'll explain that in just a moment. But Babel is a combination of two words. Gate, God. Bab, gate, El, God. Gateway to God. Gateway to God. And the idea is that that temple, they believed that they could have its top in the heavens in that it was a gateway to God. Well, this was certainly not the God of Jehovah because we find in chapter 11, look at this, look at verse 11, or look at verse, uh, chapter, chapter 11, verse 6 says this, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they, have, they all have one language, comma, and this is what they begin to do. This is an absolute rebellion. This is what they're going to do. I mean, the entirety of humanity was destroyed in the flood because of their idolatrous wickedness and all of the wicked things that they were doing, the violence that was in the world. And now in this post-Diluvian world, we're just two generations, if you will, down the line. Ham begot Cush. Cush begot Nimrod. And this is what the people are going to do? They're going to do the exact same thing? Rebel? Do their own in their own strength? This is... This is a repeat. Remember, let's go back into the Garden of Eden, back over here in chapter 3. Remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? What's the first thing they did? They realized they're naked, and they thought, we better make some clothes. So they got some leaves from the fig tree and sewed them together and made some garments. How do you like my official suit? Thanks. They had a religious act. They sought to cover themselves. Religion. Man's attempt to atone for himself. Their offspring, Cain and Abel, chapter 4. What does Cain do? I'll bring the work of my hands. He was a tiller of the ground, and he brought of the fruit of the ground. This is my work. This should be sufficient. An unprescribed way of worship he brought. This should be good enough. Again, it is an act of religion. What I do should be good enough. How I do it should be good enough. Does that make sense? It's religion. Now we come over here. They're like, let's build a tower, make a name for ourselves. Let's do this, and let's do this in our own religion.
religious way. We're not going to worship Yahweh the way the Word of God has prescribed. We're going to do it our way. Which religion leads to death. Understand that my definition for religion is man's attempt to get to God. Man's attempt to get to God will always fall short. Always fall short. Now then, God's attempt to make communion and relationship with man will never fall short. Thanks be to God. He bridged the gap through the cross of Jesus Christ, his son. He bridged the gap. So, what does this mean to me? How could, if this, if this was their effort of religion, brick and mortar and platforms and abodes and gateway to God and would do this our own way. How about us today? How are we religion? Mankind. Well, there are many religions, man-made religions, that say, well, it's thus and so. It's thus and so. It's thus and so. Eastern religions, transcendental meditations, Om, I'm connecting with God, Om, Om, you hear that? Oh, there's my stomach. Um. Doesn't work. Man's attempt. Even under the umbrella of Christendom. Maybe the emphasis on dumb. Man's efforts were littered with them. In the evangelical church, religious spirit is prevailing. All of the things I have to do to be near to God. Sometimes it's just a matter of having the wrong perspective for the right thing. Like we would say reading God's Word is a good thing. But if reading God's Word is just to check the box, you've missed the mark. Uh, must do this, must do this, must do this, must do this, must do this. God didn't intend for any of us to be Robotons. No. He desires a relationship with us. He's revealing himself in his word. Why would he want us to learn? Why would he want us to know? This is a revelation of God. The volume of the book is written of me. We can learn more about who God is. And in the process of doing so, we discover his great love for us in a greater manner, and it will enable us to have a greater love for him. It's a win-win. It's not about checking the box. So maybe you're here and you've created some religious duty. God wants to liberate you from that. Your man-made efforts to be near to God. You and I, we don't need to build ziggurats to the Lord. God has already provided the bridge, and that is Jesus Christ, his son. So, what does this mean to you? How does this apply? We have the story of Nimrod. We have the story of the post-Diluvian people building a city, and they're doing these things. Well, they lived in disobedience. What about you? Do you have minor disobedience? Men? Men, look this way for a moment. Very specifically, married men. What's the Lord telling you to do? The 
you're sitting at home after a long day of work. What's the Lord saying for you to do? Maybe you come home and the first thing you want to do is my seat. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, honey, could you get the control for me? Somehow I'm glued to my seat. Not that that ever happens at our house. <laughs> my wife's here to keep me honest. Believe me, I get home sometimes and I'm like, I just want to sit down for a minute. Could you, could you go to the grocery store with me? First reaction, sweat. <laughs> like I just took my shoes off. I'm going to have to actually like unlace them and put them back on and tie them and get in the really. Could we do that tomorrow? in here. If you resist the voice and you persist and resist, you'll hear it less and less. Then it will become bigger and bigger and you become further and further away. Does that make sense? How about we simply respond in obedience? Here's an assignment for you this week. This will be great. Listen, remember, the Spirit of God will never violate His Word. When God prompts you this week to do good, how about we just do it? Maybe. Listen, if you're wrong and you do something good and you discover it wasn't God, well, two things will have happened. Number one, you will have done something good. Number two, you will have learned to discern your voice over the voice of the Lord. Does that make sense? Now, if you seek to do it and you think it's God and you step out and it's not God and something goes wrong, again, you will have discovered, hey, that was the voice of God. I want to be a little bit more sensitive. Lord, is that you? How do I discern between my voice and his voice? Generally speaking, if it's good, there's pro probably God's in the mix. Does that make sense? If it's helping someone else, it's probably good. Now, ladies, if you see a fellow walking down the street with a gas can in his hand hitchhiking, that doesn't, it's probably not the Spirit of God telling you to pull over. Right? I mean, let's, we, we must use wisdom there too, right? Because sometimes, remember Peter, when Peter when Jesus asked, asked the disciples, whom do the sons of men say that I am? And he said, well, they responded, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist raised. And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up, well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus like, Peter, blessed are you. The flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And you, you can just imagine Peter like, you guys hear that? That's pretty cool. God just spoke through me. Then Jesus reveals to them about his betrayal. And Peter pulls him aside. The very next portion of Scripture, Jesus pulls him aside. Far be it, Lord. And Jesus looks Peter, who just spoke the voice and the words of the Father. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. So keep in mind that we have to be in tune, and we really need discernment, right? So sometimes, gals, be careful. I mean, guys, be careful too, but gals, be careful. I have a rule of thumb, and we live by the rule of thumb. I'm never alone with someone of the uh, opposite gender. Never. It's, a, it's just a rule. I tell all our interns the same thing. Well, except for your wife. <laughs> The idea there is it's safety. So if, fellas, if you're driving down the road and you see a, quote, unquote, a damsel in distress, you can call for help. 
Now, if it's immediate danger and it's on the highway, you're out in public. It's okay. But the idea there is use wisdom. This, it, am I making sense here? Do I need to qualify this any further? All right, let's be wise, but let's learn to discern and let's dive in. It's obedience, okay? Let's do that this, this week. I would love to hear testimonies. You can send me an email. I felt the Spirit of God prompting me this way, and I went and I did it. And this is what happened. And maybe it will just simply be, and I said hello to someone that I never say, and I waved and said hi and smiled. And they smiled back. What happened there? You'd say, well, nothing happened. Yes, something did happen. You created relationship, an opportunity to be salt and light. Does that make sense? The assignment that we have been given. disobedience would be the arm of the flesh. We're going to try and cut that off this week. All right. What about self-reliance and self-promoting? Are you being, quote-unquote, selfish? Uh, how do I stop leaning on my own understanding? How do I stop leaning on my own faculties and my own abilities? If it's a directional thing, I would just simply encourage you to listen to the Lord. If you have a prompting in you, Step out in faith. Just step in faith. Now, if, you're, if, you, if you take it down to the Matt's little behind, and you're driving in your car, and you're like, should I turn left or should I turn right? And left is getting to your destination, and right is going somewhere else. And you don't hear anything, move on to your direction. And if you hear God, if you feel like, man, I feel like the Lord's telling me to turn right. If you're going to be late to a meeting... Make sure you really sense that it's the Lord doing that. Because even your own flesh will try and deceive you, right? I mean, does everybody realize that? Because our flesh is seeking its own. It's not necessarily seeking the will of the Father. So I'd be very careful how you do that kind of stuff. But when it's something big, and it could be the person, you're, maybe you have a meeting at XYZ restaurant, and maybe, maybe the Lord's prompting you to write something on the receipt to give more than a 15% tip or whatever it is that you do. Just step out in faith. Write a prayer on the back of that receipt. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Boom, boom, boom. Leave something here. Maybe it's, maybe it's talking to someone who's at the bus stop. Maybe it's actually engaging with the person at the checkout stand at the grocery store or the department store. Maybe it's just listening to your child this week and paying attention and getting down at their level. Does that make sense? It can really make a difference in our lives. And then finally, if you have some self-imposed Religious dispositions, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's something that is not biblical. It's just not biblical. But somehow it's become a thing, or someone else is imposing something on you that's not biblical. You're free from that. You're free from that. He whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Let's walk in the liberty that the Lord has provided for us. Does that make sense? Nimrod, kind of a funny name, he was a rebel and he rebelled against the Lord. Let's not be like him. Today, 
as we come to the communion table, and we're going to come to the communion table. I can't see the time. It doesn't look like it's about four and a half here. Oh, wait. No, it looks like it's about <coughs> way after. <laughs> this <laughs> All you got to do is look at your watch upside down. Then you're okay. We got all kinds of time. <laughs> this watch, I don't even know whose watch this is. It's certainly not mine, but I think it's John Morris's. But it says, it says it's 12, almost 1240. That's incorrect. It's almost 1140. Um, let's do this today. Let's plan to have communion next Sunday. Okay? Because I want to just pray. I just want to pray. So Charlie and Linda, where are you? <laughs> these guys are so faithful. They prepare communion for us every month. Can we say thank you to these guys right here? They want no, they want zero recognition. Um, they do it every month, and they've been doing it every month since we started the church. So, 12 years. Thank you, guys. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Can we do it next week? <laughs> Thank you, guys. What I'd like to do, in fact, I'm going to invite you to stand. Mike, where are you at? Can we get the worship team back up? Worship team, just come on back. We sang at the very end, nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. <laughs> nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you're here today, and you and your faith, you and your walk with the Lord, you have operated with the arms of the flesh, whether it's been disobedience that has led to some level of rebellion in your life, whether it's been self-reliance where you've just kind of done things, you're winging it, so to speak. You're not even sure what God's Word says because you don't spend time in it. And you're just winging it. Sometimes it looks like this. We ask somebody, well, hey, are you, do you, are you fellowshipping? Do you go to church? And they say, no, I worship God in my own way. I mean, God ha it's, the church was Jesus' idea. He's never missed a service. He's never missed one. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also. There's a prescription, I think, for us. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You think Paul was in church? I think Paul was in church. Right? So let's not presume upon God and do our own thing. Let's submit to the Lord in these things. And so maybe it's that. Or maybe you're here today, and you've just created some religious activity that's unsuspected. Maybe it's... Maybe it's just a religious attitude, right? Just a religious attitude. And you know, because the Spirit would even be revealing if there's some of that working in you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing through this, nothing but the blood, once or twice, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to close in a word of prayer. And if there's some of those things you just say, I want to surrender these. We'll just pray that way. God, help me surrender this, the arms of the flesh, that I might live my faith, I might live my walk by faith.